great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, Bills Mafia? Big game this weekend and some scary weather reports percolating around social media. Uh, And we're going to dive into that today on Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Get the Tops Markets mobile app today. Get the most out of your shopping experience. Check out all the amazing benefits you have at the palm of your hand. You can select your preferred store, browse and shop the weekly ad, or by specific department. Easily locate products at your preferred store with it's built-in aisle directory. Enjoy contactless shopping with Tops Grocery Pickup or Delivery Services, or even clip out digital coupons directly to your Tops Bonus Plus card. Head over to topsmarkets.com slash mobile app to learn more. Ryan Talbot is in the house. I am Matt Perino, and we are joined by Glenn Coyne from Syracuse.com, weather expert, uh, to give us the, the lowdown on what is quickly becoming a very ominous report for the weekend, uh, Glenn. Uh, yes. I guess the best place to start is what can fans expect over the course of the weekend, you know, leading into game day and what the the experience is going to be then. Right. Well, this whole thing kicks off tomorrow with a little bit of snow, a little bit of rain, but then temperatures drop Saturday pretty, pretty sharply. And we start to get some lake effect snow. Um, Winds are really going to pick up. I mean, they're talking about potential of 60 mile an hour winds. Um, Mostly that would be mostly Saturday, Saturday night. And a lot of that would be like on the slopes up in, in the hills because uh, wind picks up speed down as it goes downhill like the rest of us do. So, um, but still, but very windy, very, and uh, lake effects now coming off Lake Erie, southwest winds, and that tends to take it, you know, into the Buffalo area somewhere. So, um, so the, the worst of it does look like it's going to be Saturday night. Um, but, but game time... Game time is going to be, we know it's going to be cold, probably going to be 20s, um, probably coldest of the year. Um, and wind chill, you know, we're going to get winds somewhere 25, 30 miles an hour sustained, 40 mile an hour gusts. That's pretty chilly. That's, that brings wind chills down into the single digits, um, which, you know, in Buffalo, Buffalo can handle it. Um, it's going to be a whole lot worse in Kansas City if, uh, if it's any consolation. Ryan, like, where do you feel like this could potentially impact this game the most? Because, you know, you're going to have the wind, you're going to have the snow. We'll talk a little bit more about that combination in a minute. But where do you have some maybe concerns for how this could affect the Bills on Sunday? Yeah, for me, first and foremost, Matt, it's the wind. I mean, the Bills did draft Josh Allen specifically for this reason, having a big arm quarterback that can cut through the wind like that. But you know, gusts that can get up into the 40s, that's a, a completely different beast. This is a playoff game. Uh, that's the one advantage the Bills have in this matchup is the quarterbacks. And, and if he can't throw the ball as much as they would like, it does level the playing field to a certain extent. So for me, the snow, the cold, that's not a big deal. It's the wind. Mm-hmm. Glenn, we saw last week in Baltimore what a real rainy, messy situation could do for the football game. I mean, uh, Pittsburgh had six fumbles in that game. They only lost, I believe, two of them. Uh, That's not going to be the case on Sunday. It's going to be a dramatically different 
environment, but the wind and the snow together, if they're happening at the same time, depending on what the precipitation looks like, could impair all kinds of things in, in, in all three phases of the game. So what will the environment be like for, for the players once kickoff happens? Well, you know, cold, windy, um, you know, the, the, the snow is a wild card, so to speak, um, as, it, as lake effect always is. You, know, you guys know as well, as well as all the Buffalo Mafia, right? It's, it's going to be um, lake effect is narrow bands. It's intense. It's, uh, you know, it can be 10 inches in, in uh, Orchard Park and sunny at the airport. So it's always difficult and kind of hazardous to predict where lake effect is going to end up. But, but the situation is southwest winds off Lake Erie. Weather Service is thinking that that will end up mostly south of Buffalo. And guess where the Highmark Stadium is? So, so it's, so I, you know, it's not definitive that there's going to be snow, but there probably will. And, you know, it could be bursts of it sometimes as we've seen in Lake Effect. We talked about this a little bit earlier and Ryan, I love your, your takes about this as well. You know, going to the games these past couple of seasons, once the calendar turns to December, there's been some cold games that I've covered. You know, obviously I spent 30 years going to games as a fan and I feel like it's come so far in terms of what you can do to try to stay warm when you're going to the game. And, you know, obviously you could get some hand warmers going. I can't ever find a pair of gloves that works for me, but my little trick is I put like cotton socks on and then I put wool socks over the, the cotton socks and my feet have never had a problem since I've uh, landed that, that little tip. But what do you think Glenn people should tr be trying to do to prepare for, what it's going to be like, not only for like the players to play in it, but people to sit in this weather for three, four, five, six hours, depending on your tailgate plans. Yeah, you could be out all day, right? Make a day out of it. Um, you know, bundle up, right? We all know that. Uh, dress in layers, cover your skin. You know, if it gets, wind chill gets down to single digits, that's not really dangerous frostbite territory. You know, you really need to get colder than that, but it's still pretty uncomfortable. Um, so I, if I was going, face mask, cat, Couple pairs of gloves. Um, I'm gonna try the, uh, the the double the double sock thing next time. Now that's a good yeah. idea. Double socks a great idea. My wife just went to uh, the last home game for the Bills and she wore a heated vest. Those are now permitted and allowed, so that's uh, a yeah. big thing to kind of go with there. And uh, she had hunting gear that she borrowed from a family member, oh, wow. so that really worked as well. And uh, there's something with the socks that you put up, uh, not under the socks, but above the socks to keep your feet warm too. So definitely some some different hacks and tricks out there a lot different than we were growing up and attending these games because a lot of that was not one allowed or two even available to us yeah I'm, some nice heat technology today yeah glenn and i were talking about that a little earlier i've seen some of the advertisements for some of the heated gear that you can and it almost looks like those little space heaters right in the pockets of your of your coat and it, yeah. it, it's brilliant because i remember well first of all there's been some cold games that I've covered already this year, and I'm amazed at the people that just go in a jersey and like maybe yeah. a, like, a, a, like a hoodie underneath the jersey. I'm like, you got to either be very inebriated or just a wild person <laughs> to be going out in some of these temperatures and, and just roughing it. Yeah, I mean, some of the fans that you see and and I mean, remember the Patriots game a few years ago in the playoffs? It wasn't as cold, but shirtless fans, uh, fans just unbelievable what they will, will do to make sure they get that cameo on cbs whatever games carrying it that given day so they're definitely a tough bunch here in western new york 
In closing, Glenn, any, any like final words of advice as people are kind of preparing and, you know, any kind of uh, final thoughts on what this weather could look like on Sunday? Yeah. You know, you hear it all the time, but give yourself time, right? The roads, it's not just the game. You got to get there. You got to get home. Uh, We could have, we could looking at some pretty heavy snow, both ends of that. So, you know, check the forecast, get, get there early. Don't, don't be trying to hurry in, in bad snow and then take your time getting home, you know, Number one, get there safely, get home safely. Great stuff. You can find him at Glenn Coyne, G-L-E-N-N-C-O-I-N, over on X, Twitter, whatever you're calling it this week. Uh, we'll ha- he'll have updates at the site, Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com, as they're warranted. And I'll check in with him on Saturday uh, before our preview show and bring you any of the final details that he has for you. Hopefully our, 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 our live event isn't affected too much by that uh, on Saturday as the weather gets kicked up. Uh, I hope not. Make sure you read early. (laughs) Yeah, we will. Glenn, thank you so much. Take care, buddy. Thanks, man. Thanks, Ryan. Take care. Bye. All right. Glenn Coyne, uh, some great stuff there uh, on the weather. Ryan, you know, the thing for me is, as we look at this matchup and the weather potential uh, to affect the game, I guess from a, matchup perspective we're going to get into some of this tomorrow uh on the preview show once this comes out or i should say on saturday where do you feel like if there was an area where this really helps the steelers where do you feel like it is well you know i already did mention the win so i'll go away from that because if you're keeping josh Allen in this offense to running the ball limiting their explosive plays that is it for me but i also think that this is a steelers offense flipping the coin uh, that is going to try to run the ball with their their two-headed rushing attack on this team. So I think that the poor conditions, the poor weather, it kind of benefits them in a grinded-out type of situation. They like Najee Harris for the between-the-tackle type of runs. They like Jalen Warren, although there is some ball concern issues with Warren. Uh, both guys had a few bobbles, and mind you, there's more of a downpouring rain in that regular season finale against Baltimore, but... I do think that those areas would benefit the Steelers a little bit, Matt. What about you? So for me, the real the elements to me that I think would be would really turn this game on its head would be if it's like a snow game like the Colts game a couple of years ago. Cause then it doesn't become like a, a true football game, right? Like it's just almost like a mosh pit. Like right. who can who can really handle the elements better? And I don't and, and I think it would be such a disservice to both teams. Uh, more sort of the pills. Cause I think maybe the Steelers would welcome it as 10 point dogs going into this game. So w- we'll see. I-, I think if it's just um, a little snow, obviously the win, the bills have played in it before. And every guy that we've talked to this week, when it comes to um, the-, the weather and what it could look like, what it can mean, they've all really downplayed it. So I-, I don't think going into the game, anybody's sitting there at Orchard park, like, Ooh, we're worried about this. If, if anything, it's like, they've been here before they've experienced this before. Yeah, and listen, players have experienced it. Bills fans have experienced it. This is nothing new. One of the last games I went to uh, as a fan, I was in college, Matt, and it rained, it it sleeted, it turned into hail, it turned into snow all in one game. It was Bills versus Giants, regular season matchup. You had pretty much all the elements in that game. Uh, Bills fans are used to it, so they'll be fine. Players, like you said, aren't too phased by these weather reports. Uh, They know what they're getting, what they're signed up for when they join the Buffalo Bills. Uh, speaking of signing up for something, you should sign up to become a Shout Buffalo Bills insider at 716-528-6727. 
Get yourself a two-week free trial. We're giving you all of the insight that we gather to the text line before we put anything else out on social media. I'd say 90% of the time, Ryan, at this point. Yeah. Um, so, and, and a lot of stuff goes into that insider group, you know, with the one-on-ones, texting people back, the ability to, to link up with us and, and, and ask questions like we built uh, our podcast around yesterday. And we will uh, add a little bit more to the show on Saturday at Wingnuts, which by the way, come out, Wingnuts, 1402 Motorsport Highway. Um, become a Shout Insider. Uh, and, and the shout text line is brought to you by Carrie C. Buyer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Letro, located at 237 Main Street, Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give them a call, 716-852-1234, or check out LitroLaw.com. I mentioned uh, the preview show. Usually it goes on Fridays, Ryan. We're going to do it Saturday this week, special from Wingnuts. Check out this schedule. We get there at 6 p.m. Right, come up, mingle with us for an hour. We'll talk football. We'll hang out. Uh, the early game, the Cleveland Houston game, will be just uh, getting to about halftime. We'll watch some of that. Then we'll do the preview show at about seven o'clock. Uh, that'll last about 35, 40 minutes, maybe longer. We have maybe a guest or two planned. And then we're just going to hang around. We're going to hang around. We're going to watch the Miami Dolphins game against the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, it's not only a live podcast situation, but come watch the Chiefs and, and the Dolphins. We'll give you some analysis on that as it's happening. We'll we'll have some beers. We'll have some wings. It's going to be a great time. I was going to say, stuff our face with some unbelievable food. That menu just keeps expanding, Matt. Uh, the drink menu is unbelievable as well. So it's going to be a good time on Saturday night. It is going to be a great time. And I had a great time with Mike Sando from The Athletic. I linked up with him a couple days ago to talk about some big picture stuff around the Bills. Joe Brady's future, Ken Dorsey's future, the overall takeaways from Sean McDermott this season, MVP debate. Sando's got an MVP vote. All of that is in my interview with Mike Sando. Check that out right now. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast. Have a special guest uh, today, Mike Sando from The Athletic. Wanted to take kind of stock of this Bills season from a big picture perspective as they set out on this playoff track. And, you know, Mike, it's it's crazy to think about this, but we are a month away from, you know, people talking about Sean McDermott potentially being fired if they miss the playoffs and Obviously, that uh, that big article that came out from Ty Dunn a couple of weeks ago and the, the offensive coordinator change. What's your looking back? What's your overall view of, of this this Bills season? Yeah, you know, I think some of those criticisms about the team, um, you know, and, and McDermott uh, are true. Right. There were some issues, but that's why you play the whole season. And I think you have to really tip your hat to them for writing it out. They've always been a good team. Uh, they've been a confounding team because they've been, even when Ken Dorsey was there, um, you know, they were statistically great, right? But there's just something that's a little bit off. That's uh, a little off. So I think you just have to take a deep breath. Um, and they're going to have to do that after the season because I think how the playoffs go, we're going to sort of set a tone and tenor for the offseason too. They have some questions they have to answer in the offseason about how they want to play offense, uh, what's Stefan Diggs role in that, right? Uh, is it a great fit with Joe Brady? I don't think they have to litigate all of that right now, but I think there's going to be a time where once the season's over, you just have to say, okay, there's been a lot of change around here, some highs, some lows. How do we feel about it at the end of the year? Let's not just stay the course to be stubborn and prove that everybody was wrong with their criticisms. Let's have an honest look at where we're good, where we need to get better, and what we can do. 
I think you mentioned Joe Brady there. And I think that's one of the, the big things that people are interested in is like, what do they do? And I think the, the playoff run will determine it, but you, you look at the end of the season, since they made the offensive coordinator change, they're six and one. I think they're averaging somewhere around 26 points per game in those six games where the bills were struggling leading up to Dorsey's departure. When they went two and four, they were averaging 20 points per game. What do you feel like the general sense around the league is on the job that Brady has done? Yeah. And if the Bills were to go in a different direction for some reason, um, how what would be the appetite for Brady around the NFL? Oh, I think Joe Brady would get a, another job. You don't know what his connections are. Is it going to be a coordinator job? Would it be a great job? I think that's all premature. We got, uh, shoot, since we started doing this, Mike Rabel's out in Tennessee. I just got that word. Mm. So there's right. lots of things that are going to happen. But I think he's, you know, here's the deal. There's two different ways to be a coordinator. One is you come in and you say, hey, you hired me. This is my offense. We're going to play my offense, right? The other way to do it is uh, we're going to play to the vision of our head coach, all right? And I feel like there's always been a little, there's always a little bit of a conflict when you have a defensive coach who just by nature, I mean, they want to win a game a certain way. They want to run the ball a little more. They want to feel like they're in a little bit more of control. They want to minimize the mistakes. And so they lean towards uh, wanting to run. So I think that Joe Brady has probably been, uh, you know, the cynic would say more pliable or controllable by Sean McDermott, but the, the, you know, the more earnest way to say it would be that he's probably playing a little bit more the way the head coach wants to play, which is your job sometimes too. Uh, they're, I, I think uh, I've got it in front of my screen here. I think they're, they were 59% pass under uh, Dorsey and they're 48% under Brady. And some of that's the flow of the game, but they're, you know, early downs, the first half, you know, the first 28 minutes of the game before the two minute warning, they were 60% pass with uh, Dorsey. They're 55 with Brady. There's been a little bit of recalibration. Now, that being said, their EPA per play is down a lot. Their red zone touchdown percentage is down a lot. And look, it hasn't been enough games to put a verdict in, right? They've done what they've had to do in a time of crisis. They've sort of stabilized things. And so I wouldn't read overly too much into statistical splits at this point. I think they've just been trying to not have their season die here, mm -hmm. right? And they've done that. And that, but that's why at the end you have to reassess and say, okay, what do we want for Sean McDermott as the offensive coordinator? Maybe it is exactly what Joe Brady's doing, and they can build a plan together with that. There's been an aggressive nature to – interrupted from calls. Oh, because of the variable thing? <laughs> and it's taking over my Bluetooth. There's just so – I'm getting like a million messages and stuff from everybody. I just had a coach trying to call me, so there you go. Oh, geez. Sorry. Sorry about that. Sorry. Um, it's just the way it goes. My my watch is blowing up. Yeah, there's all these moves <laughs> are going on. So people are it's a spinning. Crazy time in the NFL. Um, speaking about a crazy time, the last couple of weeks, I feel like Sean McDermott has really ratcheted up the aggressiveness. Like, I feel like they finally, on defense, they finally gotten a couple of these developmental players that they had to put into spots with Milano out, Trey White out. And, you know, they're in this scheme now. They, they, fit into their roles. I mean, Tyrell Dotson, Rasul Douglas, who they traded for at the deadline. And it's almost like, in a way, I felt like bled into his overarching 
head coaching game management aggressiveness. We saw the the fourth and short where he went for it in deep in his own end zone or end late in that game the other day. What do you make of the job that McDermott has done with this defense and how poised do you think he is with all the experience, good and bad, over the last six or seven years to now maybe go on a run with this iteration of this team? Yeah, I think that's the interesting part because I did feel like, uh, you know, seemed like up until through a lot of the season, it seemed like, yeah, they had some injuries and some bad ones, but you didn't feel like Sean McDermott uh, was really affecting the game uh, with his defensive calling, right? It was a little bit of a criticism for a while there. So it seems like they've gotten better. I haven't fully analyzed and, and dug into that and talked to people who've played Buffalo, that sort of thing. But my overall impression is that's been going in a better direction. I think they've probably been better defensively. You're a little bit more excited about what they're doing and some of the use of the personnel. So that's my feel. That's not from me studying it, but that's my mm-hmm. feel that it's trending. And you need that from your head coach. I think there's some teams uh, – right now that are not getting that you know i'll I'll give you an example evan the seattle area pete carroll's been a great coach his defense is kind of keeps getting not that good getting a little bit worse and can he just grab the reins and do it right i think that's a big differentiator for some of these coaches and mcdermott you probably feel a little bit better about that now than you did two months ago even though like i said i haven't really dug into that there, speaking of news that is kind of percolating the last couple of days it, it just came to me uh terrence gray uh, who is uh, the director of player personnel for the for the Bills, starting to get a little bit of juice around the league in terms of interest. You know, you've seen Dan Morgan go and get a job. Uh, you've seen um, Joe Shane go over and get a job uh, with the Giants. You know, I, I've been around Terrence Gray. Uh, he, he's super popular inside the building here. How much do you think that uh, th- there he could be like that next guy in the front office for the Bills to get a, a big opportunity somewhere? Yeah, I don't know him that well uh, at this stage, so I don't know. I, I, I've, I'm looking. It seems like right now, everyone's requesting to talk to everybody, right? I mean, it's unbelievable. I'm just flying around, so I really don't know. I wish I knew. Uh, I certainly wish him well on that, but I, I have, I don't know a ton about him or how uh, he's being perceived or how the bills are being perceived. Uh, but their ability to ride this thing out <laughs> is going to help everybody. It's going to help everybody if you're looking for a job. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of looking for a job, what have you heard about Ken Dorsey? Uh, because I think like it, you get fired midseason, you know, and, and it's like kind of like this hard reset. He's had so much success in Buffalo going back to when he was the quarterback's coach. And there was so much, um, you know, people talking about him as, you know, a future head coach at one point after a really good first season. Uh, he had that kind of weird lull in between Carolina and then when he went to the college ranks for a little while while he was trying to figure out what his next move was going to be and then he landed back in Buffalo do you see him in being like an OC candidate this offseason or do you think that's more of a he's gonna have to start back from a a lower rung fascinating uh no I think he could be in the mix for for a coordinator job it doesn't seem like there's a million great coordinator candidates out there I've kind of noticed that in looking at who's going to be hired for a head coach right you it's not like there's a lot of guys who, who've really, you know, coordinated successful offense for multiple years. Uh, the question with uh, guys coming from Buffalo, now Dable, Dable wrote out the timing perfectly and, and leaped, uh, right? It's, it becomes a little different when you get uh, let go, right? Just the perception of things. And so right. I was right there at the, at the front of the line saying, hey, look, 
uh, when when Dorsey was under fire, statistically his offense was exactly the same as Dayball's. I mean, but are they are people going to give Josh Allen credit for that? Uh, they're going to give him some. So I'm not sure how that plays out. So much of that is uh, who do you know? Who are your relationships with? You have to be comfortable. If you're going to be an offensive coordinator, the head coach has to be comfortable with you and know you and trust you. And I think we're seeing those some of those sorts of things. I mentioned Dayball. He's going through a new defensive coordinator, right, because of the fit. It's not because Wink Martindale's terrible at what he does. No one would think that. But that fit is critical. you got to find the right one. And I think as much as anything, that could explain the shift to, to Brady. It's not that Ken Dorsey was bad. Uh, or they didn't have a productive offense, but maybe Sean McDermott wants a different style or a different way that they play that fits his, uh, you know, priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take a minute, real quick, to look at the MVP race because I think it's it's super fascinating this year because you have a Baltimore Ravens team and a Lamar Jackson who have just been head and shoulders. It feels like above other teams and players in the AFC. You know, the, the touchdown numbers, though, and, and the yardage numbers, when you put Lamar and, like, say, Josh Allen side by side, um, you know, Josh Allen, outside of the turnovers, is, you know, is better in a lot of in a lot of categories. Oh, yeah. The Ravens have been so good, and I feel like it's because of Lamar. How do you view this? And, like, is, yeah. it, is it over, or is there going to be a conversation? Oh, man. In- I hate yeah. filling out these ballots. I think it's really <laughs> difficult. I, I really struggle. Because Lamar Jackson's been outstanding, but they've won with defense, too. I mean, their defense has been dominant, uh, and that makes it a lot easier to win the game. And his numbers aren't even close to what they were when he won MVP, right? So it's to me, uh, I think he's going to be my MVP choice, but I just don't feel like there's a perfect candidate. You could certainly make a case for Josh Allen uh, just powering through this whole thing. I think it was just a, a great metaphor the other night when he's bleeding out of his hand. I mean, that's Josh Allen. He's carrying this thing. He's like the gunfighter out there. He's got bullet holes in him, you know, but at the, but he's the last guy standing. And, and he, it's kind of an old school type of uh, quarterbacking thing where the quarterbacks, you know, back in the day, the quarterbacks didn't even know what their passer rating was. It was like, hey, we're down in the second half. I might throw three picks. We're going to try to win this game. We're going to we're going to take some punches to give some punches. I feel like that's been Josh Allen. So uh, overall, that production is there to make a great case for him. It feels like the season's been hanging on by a thread, up and down, and that probably works against him, right? It probably works against him. Just that overall feel of like we're on a roller coaster. Um, but when you look at it's kind of like when you look at Ken Dorsey's stats, you say, hey, he should be getting a head coaching job, not fired, right? Mm-hmm. But he got fired. So how do you feel about the job Ken Dorsey did? I can put his stats up there and say this should be the number one candidate, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of do that with Josh Allen. You could say I could put his stats up there and feel like this guy is the MVP of the league. It hasn't always felt that way uh, throughout the season, right? And so there's no – Dak Prescott's had a great year. How, what do you make of Brock Purdy's success? Is it all the coordinator around him? Uh, I, I really struggle this year picking all pros, picking MVPs. Uh, for the year, but I think you can make a case for any of them. Um, make a case for who's going to come out of the AFC because I, everybody seems to be really on the Baltimore Ravens train. I mean, you mentioned that their, their defense is so good. They have weapons on offense. Their offensive line is so good. You know, I've been talking about some to some people about this crazy scenario that could play out where Cleveland goes to Baltimore with Joe oh, yeah. Flacco in round two, and that is a tough 
game for Baltimore. And I know Bills fans are going to be Cleveland fans that weekend because it would potentially mean if they win their two games, they could host the AFC uh, title game. How do you see this playing out? Who are the real players and, 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 and how do you think it shakes out? So I do think there's a great path for Buffalo to get to the Super Bowl. And it, it's just sort of felt in the back of my mind. There's two teams going into this year or parts of this year that I just wondered about if they could do it. And Dallas is the one in the NFC, the team that ne- Dallas never like advances. It just it has felt to me like watch out a little bit for them. Now, I'm not betting on them, but I've had that in the back of my mind. And the Bills, getting that two seed – is a big game changer to me. Now, I still worry about them. I feel like situationally, late in mm-hmm. games, end of half, I feel like it's still um, fraught. You know, I, and so, but your scenario of Cleveland beating Baltimore is totally, they already won there. Mm-hmm. They already won there. And I know Deshaun Watson was 14 to 14 in the second half. Look at the plays. They were all like one yard passes. It was he was not on fire. They <laughs> they did a great job there. The Rams really should have won against Baltimore. Baltimore's really good. They've beaten really good teams, but they're they're they can be definitely vulnerable in their own division. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no doubt those defenses play Lamar and that offense better than the other teams. So I do think there's a great path. I would probably still favor Baltimore, but Buffalo's my second team uh, in the AFC. Because of that, I think you'd probably, you know, it probably goes to the way the seating is for me. It's probably Baltimore, Buffalo, Kansas City uh, in that order. But Buffalo, if Cleveland wins against Houston, I think Baltimore's a little nervous. Interesting. And last one, and I'll get you out of here because I know a lot's going on. On Vrabel uh, leaving uh, Tennessee. Obviously, the situation with New England and the uncertainty around Bill Belichick. How do you see that? going and then to me like Vrabel feels like the most like the easy fit right he was just there when the Bills played against them Uh, I think it was the week after that he was there at halftime and they honored him and there's so much love for him still in that organization Uh, it would seem like almost like a natural succession like do you feel like that it's setting up that way or, or do you give some odds there that Belichick somehow returns next season I felt like this is going to be it for him. How could you not hire Mike Rabel if you're the Patriots? And it's not like Rabel was uh, a Belichick disciple who was on his staff for 10 years who's going to do everything the Belichick way. I don't think so. I think mm-hmm. he's he's the perfect guy because he's his own guy, uh, but he knows the culture, uh, right? And so he'd be different from Belichick, a little bit different from Belichick. It'd be a fresher thing. So I don't know how they could pass that up. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to me. It feels like it's at the end for uh, Belichick there. Look, mm-hmm. could he work it out? I'm just going to believe everything we've been hearing until we hear other stuff. There's been nothing to suggest he's staying, so I'll believe it when he, I'll believe it when we actually hear something that makes that sound like the way it's going to go. Mike Sando from the Athletic. It is a busy week in the NFL, and he has a lot to get to. Thank you so much, Mike, for joining us. Hey, appreciate it. I apologize for being distracted momentarily, but I think we made it through. So, No, it's great. It's good stuff. Thank great. you. Okay, thanks. All right, Mike Sando is just awesome. Thank you to him for uh, that time. Uh, some great insight from the national perspective. You know, Speaking of the national perspective, Ryan, all day today, we're recording this on Thursday. It has been a uh, post-mortem on the 24-year 
iconic run of Bill Belichick in uh, New England. That came to an end today. Robert Kraft and Belichick holding a joint press conference to announce the mutual parting of ways that the two or uh, the two entities had today. Uh, and, and, and it's very newsy in the bill space because this is a, a, a coach that has ran the AFC East for the majority of his time. And, you know, it's kind of changed here over the last couple of years. I feel like the bills have gotten the better end of that over the last couple uh, of years, but your in, instant takeaways, I wanted to talk about them uh, from, from Belichick calling it uh, the Patriots really calling it with Belichick after 24 years. Yeah, well, first and foremost, what a crazy time in sports. Bill Belichick, you know, Nick Saban, uh, some big names there, Pete Carroll, some some great coaches uh, parting ways with their respective teams. But Bill Belichick, for for Bills fans, they're going to remember him as being that thorn in the side for the, all of those drought years because between Belichick and Brady, it was just absolute dominance for such a period of time. And you know, you did finally get to see the the changing of the guard once Tom Brady left, once the Bills got Josh Allen, uh, how this series would flip and flip dramatically. So, you know, Bills fans will probably say they got the last laugh as, as dominant as Belichick was in the regular season against the Bills. They're going to have that one playoff game against him, uh, the perfect game, so to speak, from Josh Allen and company. We've seen this the dominance of this team over the last few years. But fans are going to respect him, respect that legendary career. Uh, I'm sure, you know, it was what it was like when the Dolphins had Don Schulitz, what what it was like for the other AFC teams when the Bills had Marv Levy and those great teams. Uh, they're a thorn in the side when, when you're playing against them in their careers. But as soon as they retire or as soon as they have the parting of ways, because I could see Bill Belichick certainly uh, coaching somewhere else in this league, you tip your cap to them. You kind of uh, recognize how special it was in New England for all those years. It was, and it's funny because you you look at some of the immediate options to replace Belichick, and you know the names that come up are Gerard Mayo, who's been there on the staff right now. Mike Vrabel uh, played for Bill Belichick all those years, was just there uh, to do his Hall of Fame or uh, Wall of Fame uh, acceptance a couple weeks ago. I don't know, Ryan. I don't know if those are the ways that the craft's going to go in this. And, and to me, they almost feel like slam dunks, either of them because of the connection to bill. But I almost feel like the next head coach might need to be a departure from what's been, because what's been is something that I think Robert Kraft is trying to get away from. Listen in this league right now, what is the Patriots been unable to do since Tom Brady left, find a quarterback, develop a quarterback, have a sustainable offense. So you're telling me that Robert Kraft's going to, Fire the greatest coach of all time, the arguably the greatest defensive mind of all time, and he's going to pivot by hiring another defensive head coach. I mean, that's the thing with Mike Vrabel. For as for as complimentary as people are of him and should be, he's a great coach. He's accomplished a lot of things in Tennessee. He's a defensive minded coach in 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 a offensive driven league, and I think a lot of teams are looking to add um, offensive minds, offensive play callers. So I'm here to say, like my big thought here looking into the future. I don't know if it's as slam dunk as everybody thinks that this is going to be some Bill Belichick disciple. And I know Vrabel isn't necessarily. He was never on his coaching staff. Uh, he kind of took his own way through things. I, I don't think he was ever on his coaching staff. So uh, it's a little bit different. But I, I wonder if this isn't a clean break, fresh new voice, go out and find a GM, have that GM help in the head coach search, and then go from there. 
And if it is Vrabel, I will say this. I agree with you. You should be looking for an offensive-minded coach, especially when you're going to be in position to uh, draft a quarterback in this year's draft early on. Uh, someone that you're hoping will change the fortune of your franchise back to what it was once like with Tom Brady. The one thing I'll say about Vrabel, though, like you mentioned, a lot of success in Tennessee. Uh, they lost some talent over the years. They lost some players that he didn't want to part ways with. You saw him in the, the war room or the draft room uh, when they traded A.J. Brown a few years ago, and he looked absolutely devastated and angry about it. And you could tell that was not a, a move that he was on board with. They were in the championship game a few years ago, 2020. Uh, so he has built a winner. I would definitely stay away, though, from the Bill Belichick coaching tree because those guys around the league have not had much success. So, you know, no offense to Gerard Mayo, who, who's currently on the coaching staff now. You're right. If that's your option, I'm starting fresh. I'm going offensive minded. I'm looking for someone that can come in here and, you know, maybe realize it might not change overnight, but who can come in, who can work with the quarterback get the most out of quarterback and and really kind of get this offense in New England back up to speed uh, because they have a solid defense. They have some pieces there. It's the offense that's a complete mess right now. And you got to find an evaluator. Like at the end of the day, if you don't get the right player and, and listen, coaches are, are important, but you have to find, you know, the, the person that's going to come into that role and be able to figure out, okay, who's the quarterback you're going to draft. You're going to invest in. To me, it always felt like Mac Jones was like this. Okay. It's the only thing left on the board. We got to, we got to get a quarterback. We're just going to invest in him more so than the belief that Mac Jones was their guy. And I know they said all the right things, but with the way that that draft transpired, it always felt like he was like the, you know, what was left on the table when everybody right. was kind of trying to pick, pick, pick through uh, the, the good, you know, um, Halloween candy, right? Like he was like the almond joy at the end of the night. And whoa, I whoa, 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 whoa. I know. Whoa. I knew you loved almond joys. I was going to throw it in there. But Mac Jones is like the almond joy of Halloween. No, he's, he's like the Milky Way. You know, Get out. Milky Way is something. great. Eh, it's great. okay. It's okay. All, listen, coconut is so underrated. Uh, well, you know, disgusting, but hold on, hold on. That. um, or whoppers. Whoppers, are terrible. Whoppers. whoppers aren't terrible, but I would never choose them. Like I would never go out no, of my way to get them. Terrible. My, my son's starting to like whoppers and I'm like, milk duds, milk duds are terrible. Milk duds are amazing. Car- no, they, they stick in your teeth. So they're what? terrible. They're too hot. No, no. Oh my gosh. You have the worst candy cakes. You oh, have God. the worst. Kit Kat well, I, let me, let me guess. Let me guess. Back Kit in the day, Kat's you sweet. were a big, you were a big good and plenty guy. Let me no. guess. No, those you are terrible good too. All right, that's zero percent chance. Okay. My mom loved good and plenties. Shout really? Out to Jill. Yeah, she okay. loved them. Whatever. All right. Um, all right. In closing, <laughs> let's do a quick uh, chat here. Update on the injury report. Yeah. It's a long one, and today Tyrell Dotson did not practice, and I, I think we're heading in a direction where, you know, all four of the guys that haven't practiced. When you're talking about, um. Rasul Douglas, Taylor Rapp, um, Gabe, Gabe Davis. Davis, and Tyrell Dotson all trending in a really bad direction, not practicing today. Um, Stefan Diggs, when he talked a little bit uh, a little while ago here, kind of made it seem like Gabe Davis wasn't going to go this weekend. So um, I, I think that you look at the backups there. Trent Sherfield, we talked a ton about him on the show yesterday. I think they're in a good spot there. Likely going to be Balen Spector who steps up. Terrell Bernard was very complimentary of him today and really mentioned how much he's been studying all season, which I think made him ready to jump into that spot. Now he gets a week to prepare. The Bills signed A.J. Klein to their practice squad, which is also a good indication that Dotson might need some time 
to get back. He likely is an elevation this weekend. Uh, and then in wrap, listen, I don't think this is a game that you lean into dime too much anyway. Uh, Rasul Douglas, depending on if it's a snowstorm or not, you know, you, you want to have them and, and that's not looking good either. Yeah, you definitely want to have Rasul Douglas out there if possible. But if it is the, the weather conditions that we're talking about, it's not bad having Christian Benford, Dane Jackson. Jackson has been a pretty good tackler in his career when healthy. Uh, you need that those sure tacklers. So I, I think the Bills could certainly pull off a win without those players. But those are significant losses, and you're right. Stefan Diggs said something about hopefully going on a run here so that way when Gabe Davis is ready to come back, there's some, you know he has something to play for and there's the team's still playing. It, it certainly made it feel like he wasn't going to be even in consideration for this weekend. So bad time for a lot of these injuries to take place, but unfortunately that's the way it is, not just in Buffalo, but league-wide. A um, couple pop up uh, today at practice. No Dawson Knox and Deion Dawkins who are dealing with uh, illness. And then Deontay Hardy missed for personal reasons. We'll check it out. Like this is very early in the week. Don't forget last week. Uh, Mitch Morris had an illness on a Friday. He was taken off the injury report on Saturday. So usually 24 hours is kind of the period to watch out for that. I'm not overly concerned about any of those three things. We'll track it on Friday. We'll talk about it on Saturday. Ryan, there was a crazy report that came out today. We probably should hit on this too. Sorry, I know I said this is going to be a super short podcast, but no, you're you know, fine. there was a report coming out of Pittsburgh that there was consideration to moving the Bills-Steelers uh, game to Cleveland due to a weather emergency. Uh, multiple reports are out now that the, that that rumor uh, or that report, however you want to uh, uh, frame it, uh, was not true, and that right now the NFL is not considering moving Bills Steelers to Cleveland. Which it always felt a little weird because, like, for decades they've been playing snow games, they've been playing like really bad games, uh, weather games in cities. It's it's something that Buffalo is kind of built to deal with. I, I don't think that there's consideration to move this game. And how would Cleveland be much better? Aren't, you know, they're probably going to get a lot of the same weather that Buffalo is getting this time of year when it's been Detroit the last few years. Well, you know, they, they have a dome. They It made sense when that's happened. But no, Pony Express, Andrew Filipponi, who shared it out via another report, he's kind of like the Joe Shad of the Pittsburgh market. Don't believe him. Don't listen to him. Uh, that's what I've come to find over the last few years. Um, I've come to find everything that I need uh, to get ready for game day, uh, party day, whatever you need. They got it over at Tops, And not only that, Tops has new recipes every single week. Who couldn't use more ideas for great dishes? Check back each week for the latest seasonal recipes that have been featured in its weekly ad, social media, emails, and more. Check out some of these re recipes. Barbecue cheddar meatballs, almond flour pizza crust, slow cooker Cajun pot roast, chicken fajitas, peachy granola yogurt parfait, and much more. Head over to topsmarkets.com slash weekly recipes to get more of the great ideas. All right, he's Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. Saturday night, 6 p.m., 1402 Millersport Highway, Amherst, New York, across from the Marriott. We will be at Wingnuts Bar and Grill. We're going to be partying. We're going to be watching football, talking football, eating wings, drinking beer. See you then. Don't miss it.